Hello and welcome to the PFRS Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Dahl, and this is the Kilo Chasers segment. Today we're talking to Crystal McCullough. She is a driving force in the strength sports industry, well known for her roots in weightlifting, strongman, and powerlifting. Today she's a strength and conditioning coach at private university, and we'll get into the rest of her background, what she has going on today, what she has planned for the future. And we're going to dive into what it took to put on the Travis Mass Strength Spectacular a few years ago that she spearheaded and made successful. Listen up. It's nice so, to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Uh, put a face yeah. to the name and, and uh, get this conversation going. It's uh, Yeah. It's kind of an interesting one. Um, a while back, I'd, I've been trying to put up, put together a a new type of weightlifting meet that is outside only and kind of has a festival feel. And so mm-hmm. I got a hold of Dan, and he was like, "I know exactly who you need to talk to." So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's kind of where this is this is leading. And um, let's uh, get into your background a little bit. How you found yourself in the strength sports and um kind of beginning to now and uh, yeah how you found yourself in the in the leading role of a strength festival oh well um i don't it's not really uh the traditional way of getting to where i'm at i'm i got to the strength sports late in my life as far as um especially coaching um i'm a military wife of 27 years And I was an RN for several years. And in 2010, I got into CrossFit by just a friend inviting me to go to a CrossFit class or whatever. And I fell in love with it. And about a year later, probably, yeah, probably about a year later, I got my level one and started wanting to coach other people. And I had a powerlifting coach at the time ask me, what I liked most about CrossFit. And of course I was like, I like the strength aspect of CrossFit more than anything. And, um, some of the gymnastic stuff, I kind of messed up my shoulders a little bit, like just the redundant pull-ups and muscle-ups and things that just jacked my shoulders up. So I started doing powerlifting and I got, um, hooked up with a team just from one of my previous, um, CrossFit coaches, his name is Scott Paltos, mm-hmm. and uh, he hooked me up with Brian Carroll. I don't know if you know who Brian is, Mm-mm. but he's um, he's well known in like just the equipped powerlifting world. Okay. Um, so he runs a company called 1020 Life, and I started uh, just working with them and writing articles for them, um, and I had like a CrossFit gym at the time. Uh, that I would say I was, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie and say I was very strength biased. I mean, we still did obviously the CrossFit workouts and everything like that, but I was very, um, deliberate in how I wrote my strength programming mm-hmm. for my classes. It was uh, periodized even inside a CrossFit class. That's great. Um, yeah. So, um, that's kind of where I got my start with, with this, with strength is just by some powerlifting guy telling me, you know, Hey, maybe you should try out powerlifting. Yeah. Um, 
And then my son who has been, he did CrossFit kids. He lifted, you know, whenever we were in class, like he just loved the gym in general. Mm -hmm. Um, We got uh, hooked up with Travis Mash just by a random DM um, of when he was coaching kids and things like that. And we kind of got hooked up with him and visited with him and um, ended up kind of becoming a part of his team. And he coached myself and he helped coach my son and then eventually turned into me coaching for Travis and us becoming kind of co-coaches in the weightlifting world. And that's whenever I stumbled across like the the strength festival. He had already ran one of them mm-hmm. and it just, they just called it the strength spectacular. Okay. His family, uh, his wife's family has a farm out in this beautiful Moxville, North Carolina. And it was just the perfect scenario where it had a covered, I think they may have even done this specifically for the very first strength uh, spectacular that we happened to be at just, um, had never even met them or anything before. It would just be like, we got, we just went to this thing and my son was 12 and he competed at it, but it was all outdoors. There was nothing indoors about it. Um, but they had like this, um, it was kind of like a half, half barn, if that makes sense. Like it, it had, uh, it was like a half of a, half of a shell. It was, um, closed on one side, open on the other. And there was concrete, but like you could see into it mm-hmm. from basically almost any any angle. Um, and so that's where they held like powerlifting. And then they actually put a concrete slab in the middle of like a pasture and they put a platform on it. And that's where the weightlifting was. That's awesome. So they did that the first year when we were there. And I mean, they had like, that was when grid was really big. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what grid is, but so they kind of had a little bit of everything. And then in, I started working with Mashley in 2015 and it was remote. Like I was living somewhere else, still had my CrossFit gym. And, uh, we moved to where Mashley headquarters were in 2017 in May and I put together, I helped put together like the second strength spectacular, uh, kind of, I headed that up and we didn't do grid that time, but was like, I think it was Labor Day weekend. So we had about four months from the time I moved to the area to like get it all set up. And so they already had like the, the area for it. It was still at the, at the farm that they had, or they still have, but, um, so uh, I spearheaded that, and we didn't have a grid because grid was no longer popular at that point. Yeah. But we had uh, powerlifting and strongman and weightlifting. So uh, we ended up uh, – it, it worked out really well. It was over – it was just actually one day. I think if I were to have done it over again, we would have done two days because we yeah. tried to do – we did a like a super total, and a few people did it maybe two or three. I think Dan was one of the ones that actually did it, Mm -hmm. but it was, it kind of, um, it was supposed to be, uh, morning and afternoon and it kind of bled into each other to where, um, actually Dan, Dan did not, he did strongman and he did powerlifting, but there were a couple people who did weightlifting and powerlifting and they kind of butted up against each other to where it worked out, but it was, 
It was pretty tight. When you talk, it was very tight. So I think if I had to do that all over again, we would have ran, you know, a two day. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that outside sports festival type feel, um, and kind of like different feats of strength is, um, it's it's a really cool, the 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 type of people who show up to those things, um, it's just a whole different breed of people. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. We ended up, it was kind of cool where it just turned out to where Juju Mufu, mm-hmm. um, he, he had reached or his, his people had reached out to us the summer before and he had come up to the compound for a little bit and just did some weightlifting. And so whenever I reached out to them, he actually came up that day. And then Clarence Kennedy, who just happened to be in the States doing some tricking with Juju Mufu at the time came. Oh, geez. Yeah, so um, Juju, there's actually a video out there where he deadlifted because we just let him, because it wasn't a sanctioned powerlifting meet. Yeah. It was just for fun. So uh, he ended up jumping in on the deadlift, and he deadlifted in a horse head. <laughs> I, I think I've seen that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Clarence was like, um, we talked him into to squatting. Cause I mean, that's other than, you know, his big lifts, the squatting is something he's really well known for. And mm-hmm. he, he literally goes, is it okay if I pause in the bottom? Are you... And I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> sure. I guess. And I can't remember how much he squatted, but he had Nathan Dameron who is like probably one of the best squatters in the country ever, but what a very well known in weightlifting as far as you know, just squatters, uh, they went head to head, um, squatting that day. So it was quite, it was quite a day of just fun, you know, stuff. And he actually, Juju Mufu was also one of the only ones that was able to pull the car or I'm sorry, the truck and the strongman event. Like he got in on the strongman too. So yeah. (laughs) Just came up and had a good time. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's awesome. I can't like, it's like you said, the kind of people that just turn out for that kind of event is they're unique and they, they just bring a passion for, you know, what we love that to, to whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you plan, or I guess I, I've never, I never went to it. So did you mm-hmm. guys have like, did you guys have like sponsors or booths or like how, how big in like, attendance and um i guess it's the word i'm looking for like how big a spotlight did you guys have on it as far as like social media and um like newsworthy or or anything like that or was it just within the community you know i you know we were blessed to have a social media following and so we were able to reach out to like Danny Lear from Caffeine and Kilos. Mm-hmm. I see, I see, I think I see your shirt. Oh yeah. Um, he uh, he actually flew in and had a Caffeine and Kilos booth, and then we had we had like different levels of sponsorship depending on what people wanted in return mm-hmm. from us as far as uh, how much of a social media shout out if they wanted like a banner in the back of all of the of the videos that would get posted, things like that. Um, some, I think almost every single one of them, our prize packs were just like goodies from all of our sponsors. Uh, we had like a a power dot, power dot sponsorship. Um, 
trying to think. Well, I mean, it's been a few years, but like yeah. we had about like we had like a, a platinum level where people paid, I think, like a thousand dollars. Yeah. And we had about we had like five of those. Okay. And then we had like some some gold and some silver level, which was just a little bit um, less than that. Um, so that helped a lot just to kind of really just kind of fund the event itself. Yeah. And then we probably had, I think we had a little over 300 competitors, like just between the three different ones. Wow. Um, and For then one probably day. in one day. Yeah. And then we probably had, I don't know how true this is because, um, I mean, but we had people out there all day long parking, like, like having to like, um, circulate the parking around, mm. like they couldn't leave, like, because it was, you know, people were coming every two hours. Cause like with a weightlifting meet, it's based on weight class and mm. unlike powerlifting, those usually last all day yeah. with weightlifting, it's two hours. So you can have, um, you know, three or four sessions, even more than that within a day, you know, yeah. time. So, uh. It just th that would circulate through, but I think one time somebody mentioned that we literally had maybe seven or eight hundred people like come through that day, just cycling through as far as like spectating and so things cool. like that. And we did charge uh, like maybe five dollars per spectator, That's just because good. of the. Uh, for one, you know, we had it was private land, mm -hmm. you know, and people were parking on his grass and things like that. But also just from the high profile people that we had in there, yeah. um, and all of the money went back into the to the club, yeah. um, to help support you know tra Team USA athletes traveling and things like that. But um, I think the majority of um, you know the money ended up going back into you know the event itself, and then yeah. um, and then just kind of like into the pot of helping the athletes, but. Yeah, it was it was a very large. Um, it was definitely the largest thing that I had been a part of as far as like planning something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, did you? So, as far as like the logistics, you talked about parking, and that was obviously kind of not easy, but easier because you're already on a farm, so there's lots of mm -hmm. space. Um, mm -hmm. How did you go about getting the equipment? I mean, cause that's, <laughs> it's, it's, that's a task, you know? I mean, I, I've, I've, yeah. I've reached out to rep and a few other, um, equipment suppliers and just the weight, weightlifting side of things is pretty simple. You know, it's mm -hmm. bars and plates, but for strongman and for powerlifting, it's a bit more mm -hmm. intensive. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is because we were not, uh, we didn't, uh, we didn't sanction the powerlifting. We were able to use like our metal 45 pound plates, things like mm -hmm. that, as opposed to having to lift in kilos or whatever. Yeah. But I think at that point we had more weight that we could ever, than we should have ever needed. I feel like, um, but not having it in our own space, it took a lot. Cause we actually also, took out part of a rig because we, there were no, there was no, um, so the way that it was kind of set up was, you know, there was that little half barn and mm -hmm. then there was basically their driveway, which it was huge. And they had, um, 
set up to where there were already places to be able to put the uh, the rig in. And so we took about half of the rig. So there were like four or five squat squat racks. And this mm-hmm. was like something you had to put together. Like you think about you go into a gym and it would normally it would sit alone. Mm-hmm. Um, like we're not talking about like a squat stand. We're talking no, about a, a rig. Whole, a whole rack. Yeah, A whole yeah. rack. So we took that out there and then we had to, I don't know how many trips we took, we made, but we, we had to take all the weights out there, all the barbells out there. Um, and we, we had to take stall mats out there because like we, um, we had them warm up on stall mats, even though we still had, you know, um, the platforms, Mm -hmm. we had the stall mats to where they could warm up on those. So yeah, that was. We actually, uh, somebody had a trailer that we were able to throw everything on, but yeah, whenever you're not doing it in your own space and you have to, to move it, it's, it's quite, you have to have a lot of people or Mm -hmm. a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. To, to move it. So I think that I know that there are companies out there, uh, like I think one of them, I think it's called true athletics. Mm Mm-hmm. At least in weightlifting, I'm not sure about powerlifting, but I knew they, I know they do sponsor um, meets and things like that. Because uh, uh, whenever we were looking for plates and stuff for the new place that I have now, uh, I was looking out and they have like you know for sale at the so and so state meet or at the so and so meet, like they yeah. would provide it and then they would sell it at a discount. Yeah. After the fact, so True Athletics and there are those out there that are willing to you know, donate or allow you to borrow mm-hmm. those types of things. Cause they can always sell them after. Yeah. They're good. They're going to make a money, their money back anyhow. And it's mm-hmm. free, free advertising for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, I would say that was the hardest part. And then finding the volunteers that just happened to not be busy. Yeah. That not, that weren't competing. Yeah. Yeah. To, to move it. And then, you know, you have to think about weather wise too, because, you know, we set it up to where we like we trained at the farm a couple of days prior to, you mm-hmm. know, just because we wanted to get it out there in enough in advance. But when you think about that, you also have to think about weather when it's outside. How long can the equipment because it ended up drizzling the the day the morning of and it didn't really hinder anything. But, you know, I mean, we had to cover the platform, yeah. you know, the night before, things like that. So uh, definitely weather is an issue, especially when you like try to get the equipment out there sooner because it will kind of, it's going to damage the equipment a little bit. Yeah. Especially those expensive barbells. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all of it's expensive. Um, Mm -hmm. what was your, what would your, um, if you were to do it again, other than doing it in two days, um, Mm -hmm. what would you do different or what, what do you feel could be done better i think probably the biggest thing would be because i'm actually it's not going to be anything like this but i'm going to be hosting a meet like in the new space that i'm in now um in august and my first thing is is knowing how many people i can accommodate and then how many volunteers that i can have before i commit to the number of people that I have at the meet because we only had one platform. But when you think about powerlifting and weightlifting going on at the same time, 
you've got to have three judges for weightlifting every two hours. And then you have to have Loaders. three judges for powerlifting. Plus, you have to have people on the speaker, people making announcements. Yeah. And then we had strongman, which you had to have judges for that. Um, and so just making sure that I had enough, especially qualified people for those particular mm-hmm. things. Because uh, some of those um, people were worked very, very hard because I didn't have anybody to to replace them with. Mm-hmm. you know, throughout the day. So I think that just making sure that we have enough people to do that. But I also, I didn't know enough about, I mean, I mean, I know about strongman, but I don't know enough about it the where I could have, um, I mean, I wrote the programming, but when it, when it came to like, just like the small details, because that one was a strongman corporation. I think that's what it, the Strongman Corporation, it was sanctioned by them. Okay. And they sent a representative down, but I had a guy who was supposed to come in and actually kind of take that off my hands as far as running it that day. And at the last second, he just kind of dropped the ball. Okay. So I had, <laughs> had to scramble and try to find somebody that that could kind of step in. And thankfully, the guy who was the – the representative from the company, you know, the corporation was very uh, helpful. And then there was somebody who just happened to be there who was not competing, kind of step in and help maneuver some stuff. Nice. But I mean, that was just sure luck because like we had had people who paid that came that were like trying to qualify for nationals and then it could have gone a lot differently. Yeah. Had those people not stepped in because I didn't, you know, if that was the only thing I was concerned about, it wouldn't have. But I had two other things that I had to to focus on as well. So anyway, that was, I think, making sure also that you have people in play that you can count on on. and and, and shift around if need be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So was the uh, was the weightlifting a sanctioned event? Mm hmm. It was yes, too. It was. Okay. So mm-hmm. the only one that wasn't was the powerlifting. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What were there any hoops you had to jump through as far as, um, dealing with USAW or dealing with strongman, um, and doing the sanctioning, or um, was it just pretty? Since Mash already had, um, the barbell club, then you just went under his, uh, his club for the for the sanctioning of the meet, I assume. And then, but was mm-hmm. there any, anything else as far as, um, number of lifters, uh, reporting totals and stuff like that? Um, was that pretty self-explanatory or was that, was there difficulties? They have, I mean, we had run smaller meets before, but they have a pretty good system. Um, I have not run a meet since they did the new bars, so that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. I knew the the previous system by the back. I mean, I could close my eyes and, and run that system as far as just the website itself and, like, everything like that. Um, bars, I think, has a lot of good qualities, but it, to me, is a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting when I start doing it, um, how it's different. But no, I mean, as far as USA weightlifting, I think as long as you have a, like you say, a club or someone, like if you know someone who 
you know, uh, who has a club that you sanction it. Cause I don't, I don't think you can sanction it personally. You have to sanction it through a club, through USA a club, weightlifting yeah. club, but it's very, it's very simple to do. Um, and as far as lifters are concerned, that's really up to you. You just have to, um, you know, the way that it works a lot of times is um, we've actually done meets where there's we've done in-house meets, mm -hmm. right, where we needed to qualify people for something and we didn't want to run a huge meet. So as long as we had the judges and we had at least I think it's at least six lifters, mm -hmm. you can host a meet. And so we would put guys and girls together in the same one, we would just trade out the bar and they would still run the same to where like the weight, you know, is continuously going, going up, up yeah. things like that. Um, but honestly, <clears throat> the amount of people that you take in is just basically what you have as far as time and volunteers. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, there's really not a cap. I mean, good grief at the Arnold, there was, I think 1800. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It, there is, I mean, I talked to talk to John, talk to Kevin Cornell and, and Dan and a, and a whole slew of other people who, mm -hmm. when they announced how many people it was and then that they shifted it from the main festival to the, to the fairgrounds or whatever. And then once they got there, all the hype of, oh, this is going to suck to, oh, this actually isn't that bad because just mm -hmm. the sheer number of people you had, there's no other way to do it. They had to have mm -hmm. that much space. And then the, mm -hmm. the flip side of that is the the actual strength stage at the Arnold or at the festival ended up having more problems than, yes, <laughs> than the, than the AO one did. So. I think because especially with the, uh, there's always hiccups a little bit whenever mm -hmm. they first start, when they start hooking everything up, they pull everything out of, you know, the storage and they start hooking up computers. They start hooking up TVs. When we were um, in Salt Lake city, back this was actually last march so it was a mm -hmm. year ago um it was the first meet back so they had virtual and they had in person so we were the first session to have a youth we were the very first session and there were only two kids live the other ones were remote so these two kids 8 a.m and there was something wrong with like they were using a different laptop it didn't it wasn't the one because there was a mess up and they couldn't get it to connect so we warmed them up over and over again for like an hour and it finally it finally oh came God. together so um there are hiccups and i think that i don't i had the first session same kid same kid had the first session this time at the the arnold and everything at least on our platform ran smoothly and i don't feel like anything ran over as far as like it stayed pretty pretty on schedule mm -hmm. with that many people, which is very impressive. And they had fewer technical officials and things like that because I mean the sheer number of platforms and yeah. things like that. But I think the biggest thing with the strength stage is when we got over there, I think it started the men's session started at one and weigh-ins were at eleven. There was something going on the strength stage prior to that. And I think it was I can't I don't know what it was, but they couldn't even start setting up for that until like 11 o'clock. So um, if there were any hiccups, it was occurring in that one or two sessions that they were having. And it was on a very large platform with mm -hmm. high profile athletes. Yeah. Um, to the point where there was one where Nathan Dameron, 
hit a his 160 stat. 160 stat? Yeah, I think so. I thought it was his clean and jerk, yeah, too. So, yeah. Well, it was his 160 stat. Well, the clean and jerk is a whole different story. Yeah. But the 160 stat, um, it actually timed out, but there was an issue with the clock that he could see. Oh, Versus what was on the back. And so they ended up giving it to him because of, he made the, he made it. Yeah. It was just the, there was a miscommunication between the electronics oh, in some sort. There was a, a thing, but no, um, but they couldn't hear in the back. Like there was no announcer, like the way that it was. And it was so loud that if they called an athlete, there was another kid, Caleb Goodman, who literally ran out with like seven seconds left for his first or second clean and jerk because he didn't realize it was him because of the not being able to hear. Um, but I mean, those are just, unfortunately, if you're going to lift on that at that level, you go to Pan American Championships, you might end up in that situation. Yeah. Down there, we've, you know, we've had, you know, situations like that in, you know, a South American country at that level because of um, what's available. Yeah, what's available, uh, different things like that. So I think those are, um, as much as you want the perfect day, those at you know those things that you have to face adversity with, it just makes them better athletes. Being yeah. able to perform under pressure, things like that. But yeah, that was we we were watching that, and that was pretty um, interesting, especially the one with Nathan when that happened. And then there was another one who the guy got a fourth attempt because the clock did the same thing to him, and he had to rush out there, and they gave him a. A fourth, a fourth attempt, and unfortunately, he still didn't make it. But oh, it, you know, it's still, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yeah, so, but I mean, that's definitely quite quite the stage to be on. It was funny because they had pole dancing right behind there. That, like, you, yeah, you know, it's hilarious. So I <laughs> talked to um, uh, Rod and Carly from Freedom Weightlifting in Florida, mm-hmm. and their new space that they. They took over what three years ago or something like that is right on the back side of their old space, and their old space is turned into a pole pole aerobics strip aerobics, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it <laughs> studio. So mm-hmm. that's 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 funny. Yeah. Well, it was just it was just interesting because like they would play the music right, <laughs> and then they would kill the music right as the athlete came out, which normally. If it's just weightlifting, when we were at the the fairgrounds, the music kind of dies down. But here, I remember distinctly a music blaring from where they had just started the pole dancing or an announcement or something. Yeah. And so um, whether or not it affected anybody or not, those people were probably quite in flow. You know what I yeah. mean? Like they they probably weren't hearing much of anything but it was just so funny because like you're like okay the music's dying and then all of a sudden music starts blaring like across the way mm-hmm. and thankfully the pole dancers were not right here it was like off to the side <laughs> yeah but there was even a crossfit competition going on like off to the like you have the platform so if i'm looking this way it was like off to the right yeah so it was just it's definitely um i coached i helped coach an athlete a couple years ago on that stage um when they did the last Panama, uh, I don't even think it was a Panamerica qualifier. They just put like a random session on that stage, a men's and a women's based on availability. Right. Yeah. And it just happened to be our session. Wow. Um, 
but he ate it up. Yeah. Like you got those athletes that'll just eat it up. They love that. Yeah. And then you've got the other athletes that it's not going to affect them one way or the other. Yeah. So. So what was, did you have, were you just coaching at the Arnold this year or were you involved in the setup and, and. Just coaching. Just coaching. Just coaching. Okay. Yeah. I tell you the person like that you probably, Mark Canella. He is the organizer of the AO series at the Arnold. Okay. So um, he did it. He it's he's done it every single year, even before it became a part of the AO series. It was just like that money making. It was the Arnold Arnold Festival, like yeah, the Arnold yeah. Festival where he was. Um, I mean, just the weightlifting, but still, like he, as far as I know, he's always been the one. Mm-hmm. That that has organized that, so he does a really good job with it. That's cool. Um, so, with um, other than the AO series, um, what big meets have you been to? I mean, you've been to Pan Americans. Have you been to Worlds? Have you been to um, any other international meets? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been to Youth Worlds. I've been to Junior Worlds. I haven't been to a senior international meet, but I've been to junior Pan American championships. I was a team USA coach at youth Pan American championships this past year. And then, uh, the junior Pan American games, I had an athlete at it. So I've been to several international meets and they're all different because they're all hosted by a different country or they're hosted in a different city. So there's always, um, a little bit of a difference every time you go, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though it's the same meet, it's, it's different based on who's organizing it. Even though it's like the Pan American Federation, they still have their local people that help organize it. And then I've been to, in the past six years, I've been to every major national and AO final. Wow. So, yeah. That's crazy. Even the one that in Las Vegas that hosted that hosted the Las Vegas Open International Open and AO series and Youth Worlds. Yeah, wasn't that it was the first time they had was it 1300 lifters or just about mm-hmm. 1300 lifters? It was like the the very first big one. Yeah, that was the first like that was the record setting yeah. um then and then yeah, and then that was the first time I think they had also had like an international meet, um, like the Las Vegas International Open. It was a part of where athletes that were trying to qualify for the Olympics could come and weigh in or they could compete. Gotcha. So um, I had athletes, um, coached a couple of athletes in that one, several in the AO series, and I had an athlete in Youth Worlds. Okay. So we were there for like 10 days. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot of time to just training yeah. hall, training hall. Mhm. That's about it. Yeah. Wow. But those types of meets when they're put together, um I think when they the way that they're doing like youth and juniors and seniors now, um I still don't my opinion is still out on it and it's more because like if you've got somebody who has a job um which up until recently, I was very, um, everything I did was kind of remote. Like I've, you know, if I, I would coach in a gym, but most of the athletes that I coached would be with me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. we would 
go to these meets. Um, and I just recently started coaching. Um, I'm a strength conditioning now coach now at a D2 university. Nice. And so it's a little bit more, um, obviously it's a lot more where I have to be there. Um, yeah. and the, the head coach is very much like, I still want you to do what you're doing, right? Like it brings legit legitimacy to us here, things like that. So I'm not going to have to stop going to these meets, but when it comes to like youth, junior seniors, I have youth athletes, I have junior athletes, I have U 25s, I have seniors. And so mm -hmm. to be gone for those 10, 11 days in a row, it's like, it's harder than like it being separated, you know? Yeah. It might be a little bit more expensive, but the 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 drawback is if you do have a job, it's hard to stay out there for that long a period of time. Yeah. So last year that did not affect me. So we'll see how that <laughs> how that goes <laughs> this year. Um but and then the only other thing I would say that um that I have found and I don't I don't know if their software will even fix it, but you know how universities and I don't think U25s isn't part of it now, but universities and the AO series are together. Mm -hmm. So if you're on a team or let's just say not even because people can compete at universities, they don't have to compete for Lenore Ryan University or Northern Michigan or mm -hmm. whatever. They can compete individually, but still medal at a university. Okay. So when you look on your screen, it doesn't say, it just says open. Okay. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't say, I mean, it, it may say master, it may say youth, but it doesn't decide or decipher whether or not that person is university, if they're AO series or if they're both, because some people sign up for both. Um, maybe they like medals and they want like all six medals. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but you know, there were people who, um, to, to qualify for the university games this year, the only qualifier was universities. Okay. So it was extremely important to know who your competition was and not just the people competing for teams. Like you're like, Oh, this person's, their club is NMU. You know, they compete for Northern Michigan. You would have people that were unaffiliated that were lifting for, you know, bros, gym, universe, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's trying to figure out like who your competition was. And I, I, last year I was able to, it was a lot of legwork on my end, but like I was able to go back to the start list, um, the original start list, you know, like the Google sheet that they mm -hmm. put up and pull those names out. But, um, it would be nice if it was just on the screen to yeah. where like you would be like, oh, okay, these are the people I'm competing against. Yeah. USA weightlifting. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's probably the only, but I don't even know if their software would allow them to like, you would think so just because they can decipher between masters and youth, but yeah. that might just be an age that you put in, you know, like if you put age in it, yeah, I don't know. Well, So you can, you can compete as a senior and, university at the same time right yes mm -hmm. okay so yeah i guess it would just be it, it would have to be on the registration side i think mm -hmm. if they're yeah gonna, it, it, in order to make a big change yeah so uh, anyway i just that was probably my only thing that i'm like i wish there was a way to fix that but um other than that like they've got it pretty down pat how they run their meets mm -hmm. 
So for for the the meets that you put on, what's the is there any hurdles with the technical side of things as far as computers finding somebody who knows how to run it? Um, as far as uh, not the not necessarily the MC, but the um, the person who's calling out the names and actually the announcer to uh-huh. make sure everybody uh, the marshal, right? Yeah, yeah. marshal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, you know, honestly, I have never, I have yet to run a meet that was not just cards. Um, so, um, I have not used personally any kind of software yet to where, um, you know, I had to have somebody like input stuff in, you know, to keep it running smoothly live. We've always just used cards. I honestly, I think it may, it keeps you, if you're on the coaching side, it keeps you honest and it keeps your coaching skills a little bit more, um, fresh because I know for the longest time I didn't go to a local meet or anything like that. And I thought I was the shiz, right? Like I, I could compete against anybody in the back room and then you go to a local meet and like you have to count the cards on the table. And I think it just, um, you know, I mean, it was fine, but it took me a minute. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is how it works in real life. Like yeah, not on the main, you know, with a high percentage of people, this is how it works. Yeah. Um, so I think that, um, I think as a coach, it's very helpful to every once in a while, go to local meets and, and do that. Um, and not always have a screen. And then I know that the, the first meet that I went to post, uh, well, I think it was actually during COVID. It was at Power and Grace, and they had a really great system, but it wasn't updating. And so oh. even though there was a system, you still had to go count the cards. Okay. And I remember Spencer was, like, calling out. Like, it was almost like like at a powerlifting meet. They're like, you know, this person's up. This person's on deck. This person's in the hole. This one's four out. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, like, you couldn't um, – the screen wasn't updating. Yeah. Uh, it was, it would, it would freeze. So, and I mean, there've been issues even at Maine, like, you know, like at the big events where the, uh, they have to do a tech stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that when we were at, uh, Pan American games, actually one of our athletes, um, it was the weirdest thing. I don't even know. But there was an athlete from another country who his total, like his numbers were in right, like what he had made, whether it was like maybe, let's just say it was like 150 and 190, right? Okay. So 340, okay. 150 and 190 was in right, but the total itself didn't add up. Oh. It was like 330. So the coaches were looking at the total, and that's what they were trying to beat. You see what I'm saying? So. Yeah. It's always nice to like um, to go back and and, and look at the cards because I would have I, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. For those two things to not add up to the right thing. Yeah, so. the wrong wrong data entry in the spread, spreadsheet. Yeah, I guess so. It... Yeah, but see, I'm also a person at the the national meets. Um, you can't do it on Snatch, but you know uh, people have two changes on their first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll always go back when we start the clean and jerk and I do my initial count. I will flip over all the cards and see who made changes on their snatches to kind of gauge 
if the, if the clean and jerks are going to be the same way when I do my initial count. Okay. So I like to utilize the cards in that way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's actually like, I've, I've never had to actually count cards. I've, I've definitely counted attempts and stuff like that, but I've always had a screen to go off of. Even, mm-hmm. even locally here, like we've been really blessed with having mm-hmm. guys that know what they're doing and use the right equipment and it makes it a hell of a lot easier on me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But still, even at that, I mean, we, the last couple of meets, it's just been like, okay, every time it's a learning process. And every mm-hmm. time you see, see, you see one guy and he's just like, it's a beautiful mind. And he just, numbers are just raining down and hitting his mm-hmm. athletes doing everything perfect. And you're just struggling. So yeah, no, pretty... there's, yeah. I, I feel like that if anybody feels like there's nothing left to learn, even if you're a master in the back room, you're either lying to yourself or it's time to hang your hat up because yeah. there is always something, even if it's, that's not what you should do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something to be learned. Yeah. So. So how'd you find yourself in a uh, strength and conditioning role at a university? Um, <laughs> no, it is. I'm telling you, it is not the normal like pathway. Um, Cause I mean, I go from, I was a medic in the military. I didn't, but it like, it's kind of like progressed a little bit um, as it goes. But so I have a, I have a degree in nursing. I have a master's degree in nurse education, but in 2014, I took over a CrossFit gym and I stopped nursing completely. Okay. Um, and I've kept my license up to date. I mean, I, I earned that, so I'm yeah. going to keep it up to date. But, uh, I can't really, I I feel like I use it in some ways, just kind of preventive, um, preventive medicine. Um, I know some of what I do with athletes would not be considered healthy because I mean, they're elite athletes and they, it's not healthy. It's not, you don't, yeah, it's not healthy, but I do still work with, um, you know, general population people a little bit. And then I work with, uh, athletes in, you know, a, a team setting and I want to make sure that I'm, you know, injury prevention, things like that. So I mm-hmm. feel like that it does benefit me, but I couldn't go. I don't, I don't feel like that at this point in time, I could have gone into a hospital or, you know, into a classroom and taught or practice cause I had been out of it for so long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just happenstance had us here at Lenore Ryan university and my husband, um, is in a position with his um, 27 years in the military where I was able to go back to school again. (laughs) And uh, they have a really great master's of exercise science program here. And so I started doing it. And then the head strength coach, this was last, last January. So it was a year ago, January. So um, he, he had put something out over the summer about seeking interns and so, you know, we had podcasted with him whenever I podcasted um, with the Barbell Life and things like that. So, you know, I developed a, somewhat of a relationship and just, you know, seeing him, you know, on campus and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to him and he was like, well, you're welcome in the weight room. But I mean, I wouldn't consider you an intern. And I'm like, well, I'm just here to learn. That's that's it. I've never yeah. worked with teams like this. I've never worked in a university setting. So I just want to learn. And so I, you know, asked if I could just kind of still hang out in the fall. 
Yeah. And then um, come this spring, I I was going to do a thesis and I was going to do research. And then I got to thinking about it. And it's like, I like research and I like that type of stuff. But when it comes to doing it in a classroom setting, I feel like the, there are constraints and I don't feel like I could have done it right or done it justice the way I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided that I wanted to do like a, it was, it's called integrated experience, which is internship basically. Mm-hmm. And something that I want to do once I graduate is the NSCA has a new sports science certification. You have to have a lot of in-person coaching hours with teams like this in order to even do it. Okay. So um, it was, it was um, the, the, the relationship was mutual. It helped him. It helped me. And then just circumstance had like um, his G one of his GAs got a, a job at another university. And uh, I started working with the women's teams um, like as the lead with the women's teams. And it just kind of uh, clicked, I guess you can say. Yeah. And so um it just turned into um, being offered like a – right now, it's just like a, a a temporary contract just to go through the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and just awaiting the, the long term that should be coming up anytime. Nice. Because um, the, the new school year doesn't start till June. So, uh, so, yeah, I went from thinking I was only going to get 200 hours – in the in the weight room from January to May, and I reached that 200 hours mid February. Dang. So, <laughs> but no, it's it's one of those things where you know how you feel like. I mean, I love weightlifting. Yeah. I love coaching weightlifting, and that'll never change. Like I will be at these meets like until I can no longer be at these meets, and I'll coach athletes as long as I'm able to coach them. But there's just I think um, some of the teams that I've been coaching have started playing like summer summer in season like softball some are like scrimmaging uh women's lacrosse is um in season and just to kind of watch them in their sport and kind of see how what we're doing in the weight room is trans transferring over Mm -hmm. into their play as far as just their stamina their ability to run faster their you know their jumping power the volleyball team things like that. It's, uh, it's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. So as much as I love PRs and everything, like I love weightlifting, but I just, there's something about this that just brings a whole different level of excitement Mm -hmm. that I've been missing for a little bit. Yeah. That's, I've always kind of had, I've battled with the coaching weightlifting and, and there's always, there's like, because you hear stories or it's personal to you where it takes you six months to add a kilo to your snatch mm-hmm. or, or or add 10 kilos to your back squat or whatever. It takes mm-hmm. so much time and it's such a technique-driven sport where it you know it could take two years to add a kilo or, or whatever. You never mm-hmm. know once you get up there. Um, right. But in like I've coached youth sports and when you take at the beginning of the season, that first practice, you're like, what am I going to do? How, mm-hmm. how is this going to translate or turn into, you know, success and how you gauge that success? And so I can imagine even at the collegiate level, like, you, you know, you might end up with athletes that never had r- any real strength and conditioning background. Mm-hmm. They could have just been playing 
to play and they are mm -hmm. are naturally gifted in their sport but to have a chance to do one thing for a couple weeks and have it you know you can see immediate progress it's it's definitely rewarding oh yeah and i have the women's basketball team this is we just finished the third week of their off season and they went from coming in once or twice during their in season and i mean i that was pre me. Like I was just kind of a fly on the wall, kind of, you know, observing, um, kind of helping here and there, but this is their third week, four days a week. And I can already see just like huge progress. And the only thing I have told them is like, we've worked too hard. You better not stop over the summer. Like I'm putting mm -hmm. together an entire kind of, uh, not really software, but like using, um, technology type stuff just to make them accountable Mm -hmm. them, the volleyball, any of the fall sports that I have, mm -hmm. um, those that are coming in that I get that we have a few weeks, you know, off season type stuff. I'm not as concerned about cause we're only getting so much in anyway in the in season, but especially the volleyball and the basketball team, they have worked so hard, yeah, so hard that like, I'm trying to just figure out a way to, to keep them accountable and to keep them training through the summer. Yeah. Um, so that when they come back they're they haven't lost anything. I think that's the hardest part with these types of, with this, whereas with weightlifters and if you're in a private setting, you have them year round. Yeah. Whereas with, um, sport athletes in a collegiate setting, you have in season sports, you have off season sports, you have breaks in summer and like times when they're out, you know, from out in front of you and, you know, like the football team, I saw them come back after Christmas um, and uh, just getting back into it. The first week was challenging, yeah. um, but uh, I think that's probably the biggest challenge for that is just accountability, mm -hmm. you know, because um, the, they're not in their sport. Life takes hold. They they want to have fun. They're college students, but, yeah, you know. I'm trying to create a love for the weight room enough to where they'll want to continue. Yeah. So. No, that's great. It's always yeah, interesting so. to hear about a path that, you know, some people see it as, oh, I just went from A to B to C to D. And <laughs> Mine was this. Yeah. Well, you get and then back down there. <laughs> but I do graduate in May. So uh, I will have a dual master's. I'll have a nurse education and exercise science. And I have told my husband I will not be going back to school ever. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this is it. No more school. <laughs> but in hindsight, like the path that I am on now would not have happened had I not walked in those doors January of 2021. So, yeah. Oh, you know. absolutely. Um, so through your, through your winding path, um, what would you feel is the biggest setback, um, or like blow that just like sent you reeling and how did you, how did it affect you mentally, emotionally? Um, how did you get through it? How did you, um, what decisions did you make to move on and keep, keep going? Um, you know, I think I'm, 
I've always been a person that, you know, when an opportunity presents itself, I try to put myself in positions to be able to to be able to 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 get those opportunities um, and definitely stay open to things. But uh, probably the hardest part has been for me, like I was I don't want to say cushioned, but, you know, Mash Elite performance, you know, if you if you think about it in you know, it was kind of like what you would consider like a power five, right? Like it was one of the top, it is not was, is Mm -hmm. one of the top, you know, um, companies in the industry. And I made the decision to break from Mashley in, it was September when I actually decided to do it. And I did not do it until November. I made sure that I gave plenty of notice and make sure that all of his systems were in place before I left. But um, it, it was just one of those things where I had come to a point in my growth and in my career that I felt like that if I was going to continue to grow, um, I had, you know, was coaching a majority of the online athletes and I had international level athletes myself, but when having conversations with people, they didn't even realize it because my name wasn't on the door. It wasn't a generic name. I mean, mm-hmm. And and Travis is a very large personality that's done a lot of great things. And so I knew for myself, as much as I enjoyed working with him and respected him, that I needed to take a leap of faith and and venture out on my own just to continue to grow as a coach and and everything like that. So I think that's probably one of the hardest decisions I ever (laughs) have made so far is just and probably the scariest decision I've made is to kind of leave an internationally known company to just go off by myself and, you know, start something from scratch. Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would say there were any setbacks as far as, um, you know, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, the question of why or speculation of why and, there wasn't really a why other than the fact that it was just time. Yeah. You know, I mean, and he respected that and understood it, but, um, you know, I mean, he did that with muscle driver, you know, he was at muscle driver and he did it himself. Um, so, I mean, I think there always is a time that you can be an assistant coach for only so long. Yep. And if you're okay with that, that's fine. But, you know, I'm a person that strives for greatness and excellence, and I had kind of reached the end with that right there if I wanted to continue on. So, but I think that's the hardest part is just the fear of how that would affect me with, you know, I mean, relationships with other coach, you know what I mean, with other coaches, yeah. with um, things like that. But I've only gotten a lot of positive feedback. Um, you know, I have like some of my athletes, I, I, only a very, 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 very small handful, like decided that they just, they wanted to stay with me. Um, because I, you know, just kind of left everything. I was okay with walking away without any of them. Yeah. And, um, it just happened to be where a small handful did, but you know, I was working a lot and it was remote. I had probably six, at least 50, 50 something remote athletes. And when you have that many remote athletes, it's really hard to coach in person. Yeah. 
because you're spending all your time with those, you know, those remote athletes. And I love coaching remote athletes. Um, but I needed to set a limit. Yeah. And so that's what I've been able to do. I can pick, I can, I can choose who I want to work with and I can, um, limit the number I work with so that it allows me to continue to coach in person. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was probably the biggest um, thing for me is just making that decision. Okay. I don't regret it at all. No. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely um, it's different. Yeah. You know, but no, it's 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 a hard decision to make. It's that that is the grass actually greener kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. But, um, I'm definitely, I don't say, I won't, I won't say that I have any more time because it just got filled with coaching, mm-hmm. but I'm coaching in person. So it's making me a better coach. And I think actually coaching in the team setting, um, I, I help them out because I can teach them Olympic weightlifting. Um, and so like I taught the basketball team snatches the other day, the football team has done snatches, which, um, I think it's beneficial to them. But then also I can take things that I learned from the the coaches in the weight room mm-hmm. and bring it and bring kind of unorthodox things into my weightlifters yeah. as well. So I think it I think it makes me a better coach in general to be able to to do both. Absolutely. So do you have do you have in person weightlifting athletes that you coach? I do. I have I don't have that many, um, just because Right now with school and everything, I just, it's, <laughs> yeah. I've only got so much time. So if, if there's anybody that can train between like certain hours, um, I have, um, three or four that we train daily. Um, one of which is the one that we're going to junior world championships in Greece in five weeks, nice. four weeks. We leave in four, he competes in five. Um, but it's just, uh. It's limited. I have started. It's my place is in a CrossFit gym, mm-hmm. so it's this twenty thousand square foot CrossFit gym that's right next to the school, probably two miles from the school, and they already had platforms in the back. They had five platforms, um, and it's it's kind of interesting because like they've got like this chain link fence that takes up about the middle part, and they've got um, like a mobility section, okay. and then the CrossFit class goes on in the front. So even though that like the athletes may be facing where the CrossFit class happens, you can't see it because there's a chain link fence with um, flags. Mm -hmm. And the only time that the two collide is maybe if the weather's not great outside and there's a run because it's so big, they'll run (laughs) around the, around the, the outside, the perimeter of the gym to do their runs. Yeah. But there's five platforms, and the only thing I did, there's squat racks already back there. The only thing I did was purchase equipment, enough equipment, um, a few barbells to be able to accommodate, you know, a few lifters. And um, I've started, I just was on the second week of doing like a six-week snatch um, snatch class. Um, so... I'm going to be doing that. Like if I'm in town for a certain stint of time where I don't travel, Mm -hmm. um, I'll be doing that with them, things like that. So I'm, I'm doing those types of things as opposed to just having a big weightlifting club. Yeah. I have the, the, that core set of weightlifters 
that I have. And I had like a, an athlete clinic or not athlete, an athlete camp where a few people that were my athletes or friends of my athletes that came in, um, before the Arnold, um, just to lift over the weekend and things like that. So, um, but, uh, I, I plan on growing it, but I don't want it to grow too big to where I'm back where I was. Yeah. Before. (laughs) Yeah. No, those, so, um, those, those camps are great. I mean, I've done, I think three camps with, with John and like the, the team building aspect of it is, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we get together, we lift big weights, whatever we, we learn a lot, but the, the team building and the, the connection that you make with somebody that you, that's might be the first time you actually see them in person might mm-hmm. be the only time you see them in person. You yeah. Um, right. It's huge. It's, it's awesome that you're doing that. And yeah, you, I and think that you it have helps. To do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's where the meet that I'm going to have will be at that facility um, because, like, the mobility area is just—it's literally a bunch of mats that you could put a platform on, and it faces—it's on the other side of the chain link fence where I've got the five platforms behind, mm-hmm. and then there's all this space for chairs on the other side. So I'm like, I've got this vision of what I want to do with it. <laughs> That is so cool. That's it's perfect. So, I mean, you have a back yeah. room and you have the that's that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, so that's I'm gonna do that in August. Um actually gotta sanction it, but but that's my plan is to have a host to meet there in August. And so um I'm just excited about the the partnership that I've gotten with CrossFit Catawba Valley because it has um it's also to where if I'm out of town, um my athletes still have access to the gym. That's cool. um and I'm not, I'm not trying, you know, if I'm, I'm still making money if I'm not there versus yeah. if I was, you know, in my own building, um, it would be a lot more challenging. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, everything's going pretty well right now, I'd say. Nice. Um, so is there, uh, is there anything else you got coming up other than that meet? Do you have, um, is, uh. Is Morgan competing anytime soon? Is he? Does he have anything big coming up? I know he's been trying to get his social media <laughs> back up after yeah. getting, getting canceled. Yeah, I know that was bad. Um, got all the like several sponsorships at once, and then his social media like just went poop. So I had to start over. Thankfully, the sponsors are very very you know, understanding. Yeah. Um, one of them was like, I really hope that doesn't happen to you know, because like. I hope this doesn't happen to us because they have all kinds of um, followers. But so far, I mean, he's definitely not where he was. But um, I think he's interacting more now just to get his followers where I think he had gotten to a point where he was kind of not complacent, but he wasn't posting as much. Mm -hmm. Now he's posting a lot more, which I think people are um, they like that. But, yeah, he's got Junior Worlds. So that's where we'll go. Um, He has been um, he trains with me every day now. Um, I mean, he did before he was at the school, uh, Lenore Ryan for a little bit and he's back training daily with me. He still goes to to school there, but, um, so he's, we've got junior worlds in, I keep looking at my watch. Like it's going to tell me something. (laughs) Five weeks. (laughs) Um, I think we leave in four. He competes in five because he competes on May the 9th. So, yeah, Yeah. I've been been watching him since he, what, the first time he cleaned, 190 or 180 or something like that yeah just a kid oh my god yeah oh believe me i i sometimes i wonder how i birthed that but um (laughs) 
But no, he, uh, yeah, he just hit a really easy 195, which matches the most he's ever done. But it was the crispest and the best he's ever done. Like, I'm, you know, we're trying, you know, I love it when he hits PRs in the gym. Mm -hmm. I, I love it a lot. But also... I want more consistency out of him more than anything to where I know that if I put the opener on there, there's no doubt that he's going to, that he's going to hit it. And that's, and then obviously more, but like if you miss your opener, you've already missed one chance yep. to go. So um, that's one of the things we've been focused on a lot is like we hit, we do a lot of volume at that, that roughly 80 to 90%. Yep. And then he always gets bonus reps and it's, it's uh it's paid off a lot with, um, you know, like he's hitting PRs in different ways. Like he hit a hang snatch PR the other day, um, and he and he matched his best ever snatch, and then he has matched his best ever clean and jerk. But they're like, there's more in the tank. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? There was so that's where um, it's exciting to. I mean, he put a 341 total on. A week ago Saturday. This was a deload this week. Um, but he a week ago Saturday, 341 total, which was a PR total mm-hmm. together. Um, six kilos more than he's done in competition. So um, I have my plan for Junior Worlds. And as long as he goes six for six, it's going to be a big total. Nice. So, um, yeah. Oh, that's great. So, so yeah. awesome. Love watching the yeah. progression. Thank you. I have another athlete. Do you know Jake Herbert? Jacob Herbert. Yeah. He's, uh, he's somebody that has, he's kind of like a ride or die with me. Like he's, he's been with me for two and a half, three years. And, um, he's, he's coming up on 30 or right around 30, 32. I don't know. He'll kill me cause I don't know his age, but, um, but like he hit a 160 snatch at the AL final and then he hit a 187 clean and jerk. He's a super, but like he medaled at the AL final behind mm-hmm. Taylon Vereen and um, uh, Medina, mm-hmm. and uh, and I mean he went six for six in that meet, and so I'm excited he'll compete at nationals, and yeah. my he's my next target to get on a team, and then I have uh, even if it's to start out with you know one of the the Cuba or. Ibero or whatever, yeah. but that's, that's our next goal for him. And then I have a youth athlete that I'm really working hard. He's just 14. Like he's still, he's in the 15 years. So he's still got another two years after this, that he's yeah. just made some huge strides in the last, last little bit. So, um, he's another one that yeah, I'd, I'd love to have you back on to talk about youth athletes and your approach to coaching them and how, how to make that transition of, not knowing anything about weightlifting to, mm-hmm. you know, just understanding what to do mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. actually being able to step on stage and, and perform. Oh be- yeah. Yeah. I- and you know, the other thing, parents, uh, parents of youth athletes, getting them just more. And this isn't any parent in general. I'm not thinking of any parent in general. I just remember, I think I was at an advantage a little bit just because of my background. But then also when we first entered into weightlifting, it was brand new, like, you know, certain things that you, you have to do, how to qualify for things. Um, There's a lot of things that you don't even think about. Um, And if coach and if coaches don't know, 
like you say, co- there's a lot of youth athletes that may miss out on teams because coaches don't need know they need to be in the the random testing pool. Yeah. Right. Or they don't know when qualifications are or things like that. So I think there are a lot of different avenues, not just coaching the the kid, but like if you have a kid that walks into your gym that you're like, oh my gosh, this is Team USA material. If I do it right, mm-hmm. how do you do it right? Or if you're a parent of a youth athlete, what do you look for in a coach? Those types of things. Yeah. Well, and, and then I think I think parents nowadays compared to, I mean, even 10 years ago, there's way more acceptance of younger kids, mm-hmm. you know, putting a barbell on their back. And actually stepping oh, in yeah. the gym, you know, CrossFit's been very instrumental in in educating. Oh yeah, adults about what kids are actually capable of, and the whole like the growth plate myth and all that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's been. Oh yeah, there were like seven year olds competing at youth nationals, like seven and eight year olds. Yeah, was that uh, Rory Vanault? Uh, yeah, Spencer Mormons. Uh, yeah. And then there was some little girls like they didn't make it through COVID as far as uh, I coached them for a while. This one little boy that I have, he's made it through all of it. But they got to a point um, where their sports teams started playing before mm-hmm. weightlifting meet started back up. And the two little girls just didn't they didn't make it through the whole COVID thing. Um, the social aspect, that was what they were missing. Yeah. Um, so they moved on, but I had a couple little girls, like they both started around seven or eight and then they were 13, you know, whenever they decided to move on. But yeah, I just, um, you know, they had great movement. They, um, I think one of them, she actually, Don McCauley coached her prior to me and then he, you know, passed away and they kind of moved, um, with me, but, um, she she was featured on a couple of things just from her like she's so she was tiny like yeah. even at 12 she looked like she was like eight <laughs> wow yeah so but anyway yeah cool 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 well i think that's we covered just about everything i i could think of um your knowledge on on just about everything is is immense <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm 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 serious like it's, it's i'm not a know-it-all <laughs> no but you've been involved <laughs> You've yeah. been involved in in a lot of aspects of not just weightlifting, but like I said, strength sports and having headed the a large event like you did. Like the information is is mm-hmm. well regarded. It's it's awesome. I'm kind of I got to put it all together on a on a website and and try to. <laughs> try to figure it all out but yeah thank you when so are much you for... planning on doing that so i have like six more interviews to do and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be posting the the podcast like i got one going up on monday or tuesday then this one's gonna go up the following monday or tuesday so for like the next five or six weeks weekly releases and then the website is gonna be hopefully shortly after the last one gets <laughs> gotcha. if I yeah, it's going to be, it's basically just a start to finish what you like build an outline on what you want in your competition, whether it's Mm -hmm. 10 lifters or a hundred lifters. Um, how do you go to get sponsors? Here's a list of sponsors that, you know, have been used 
are totally about it, what they expect, um, mm-hmm. venues, how to, how to communicate with a county or a city or mm-hmm. you know, finding private property, um, licenses, insurance, like all that stuff. Um, Have you thought about reaching out to Pedro Maloney? I don't know who that is. He's the guy the he is the point of contact for USA weightlifting. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely Mark Canella is like, he's ran the sports festival, like just the weightlifting for years. But then Pedro is like, he's the one that I think, um, like when you, when you email about like events, he's the one, like the point of contact for that. Okay. So that'd be great because I mean, I just, I haven't seen, there's a of the meets that I've been to personally, I haven't been like totally impressed, you know, like mm-hmm. there, there's, there's been aspects where it's like, okay, this one person did an excellent job, but the rest of it sucked. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this part, this, you know, the, the actual, like taking the attempts on the platform and the, the way the judges were set up and the loaders, like that was awesome, but there's just missing everything. Like nothing's ever really come together for me. Personally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started doing research, I couldn't find anything. Like there's no, mm-hmm. I'm a big, I will go on YouTube to figure out anything. And there, <laughs> yeah. and there wasn't like even like yeah. the software on how to run, run the, run the meat. Like mm-hmm. there's a couple like really, really just poorly made videos. This is like somebody just trying to do something Mm -hmm. with it, you know? Um, Yeah. And I don't think there's any one software that has everything. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there it's missing something. Yeah. There is one in my notes somewhere, Um, but it actually has, it's very like grassroots, like Mm -hmm. some programmer that just like latched onto weightlifting or like somehow like, it is really well thought out and -hmm. you can do it on a really basic scale or you can do it like they have like, um, where you can have controllers wired into the computer for, I may have to off, off, um, camera, get that from you. Like when you look it up, cause like I may like try to reach out to them or figure out just for future reference. Yeah, no, I'll, I, it's, I know it's somewhere. (laughs) I I, I looked at it. Like last week, and um, and the the uh, Joe Beck who's going to come on, mm-hmm. he I know Joe. He he's the one that turned me on to it. So okay, um, yeah, he is very meticulous in the meets that he puts on, and mm-hmm. so that's kind of that's what I'm going to be talking to him about is how he approaches a small local meet or a bigger meet, mm-hmm. and um, how he gets the people involved and makes sure everybody's trained and has the right right certifications and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, so, but I, will I think that's the hardest part. If you're a small club trying to get the people that have the right certifications in the right spot, yeah. you know? So, but yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate This is fun. I'm sorry. It took a little bit to, to coordinate. No, it's all good. Life's life, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you got, you got a lot going on. You have a lot on your plate. So yeah, that's totally understandable. So four weeks, I take one big, huge chunk off of that plate. So there you go. So All right. little by little, my husband will be happy. So, 
Um, but awesome. No, I appreciate it. It's really nice meeting you. I'm glad that Dan um, hooked us um, up. So. Yeah, no, it was a great, great conversation. Nice to meet you. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely um, do this again and talk about youth and, and junior lifters and how to how that progresses. So Awesome. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. Again, hit the like, hit the subscribe, check us out on social medias, uh, mainly Instagram. That's all we got going right now. Anything to spread the word, tell your friends, uh, tell your family, check us out in coming weeks. We're going to be doing more interviews with our classic format, just talking with people in varying industries, um, varying careers, and talking about how they got to where they are, challenges they've faced, and how they got past and found success. We are also going to be continuing this series, talking to a myriad of other individuals that are highly active in in strength sports and designing competitions for the best experience for the athletes. So hang out, take a listen, and uh, keep up to date with what we got going on. Thanks.